clinical guidelines are available in abundance through peer-reviewed medical journals, library-based databases, and evidence-based reports, but they may not provide recommendations ideal for our individual patients' needs. What if we could merge relevant data from a range of studies, creating instant meta-analyses tailored to our patients? Could medical organizations use this mechanism to develop policy statements or clinical recommendations? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Future Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Todd Feynman, board-certified internist, practicing hospitalist at Harbor UCLA, and founder of Dr. Evidence, a web-based, customizable digital database of disease treatment and drug efficacy information. Welcome, Dr. Feynman. Hi, good to be here. Now, can you first start with a brief, maybe one-minute overview of how you came up with the idea for Dr. Evidence? Well, I founded Dr. Evidence about five years ago with the mission of finding, translating, and delivering actual data that you would find in clinical studies to anybody trying to make an informed decision. So we spent millions of dollars and a lot of resources on developing two technologies. One is a technology that actually finds the studies that answer a specific question. So, for example, if the question is, what is the most effective therapy for localized prostate cancer in men under 65, our search engine storage technology goes into Medline and other databases and retrieves the relevant studies. And then we have another technology that actually extracts the relevant data out of those studies and puts it into a digital database, a user-friendly database, that enables anybody to come in and pool studies, filter studies, cherry-pick studies that match the patient population you're dealing with. And the machine, the database, actually spits out evidence sentences about the effectiveness of any therapy. In this case, if you picked localized prostate cancer, if we had a database on that, it would spit out sentences saying things like four studies show therapy one is significantly more effective than therapy two in localized prostate cancer. Now, how does your site differ from existing sites like WebMD or UpToDate or compilations of studies like Cochrane Reviews or maybe the National Guideline Clearinghouse? How is this different and unique from what's already available to physicians and patients? Well, all the products or services that you just described are really review articles or review services. UpToDate, Cochrane, who are great at what they do, but all they deliver is really opinions or reviews based on the evidence. What they don't do is they don't deliver the actual evidence. There's no transparency into the actual studies they use to come up with their conclusions or recommendations. All you get is a PDF document or a book or a guideline. The big difference is Dr. Evidence actually delivers a live digital database that enables you to go into actually all the studies that are used to answer a specific question. And you can actually play with the data. You can pool the data. You can do on-the-fly meta-analysis. You know, there's so many ways to look at the data. Everybody has specific preferences, and we enable you to slice and dice the data in many ways so you can get different answers, different looks at the data. So before we get into the actual details of how that works with manipulating the data or analyzing at the data, let's talk about who the intended audience is for your site. Well, ultimately, one day we hope to have all our databases or have doctor evidence technologies in doctor's offices and hospitals being used during point of care. 
the ultimate promised land is having doctors and patients using this to make informed decisions realistically during point of care. But right now, in the spirit of building these databases, our audience is medical associations, manufacturers who actually make the interventions that healthcare uses, and policymakers and other constituents like that. So let's do an example. Maybe you're talking about a manufacturer of, say, a stent. Would they then try to gather all the data and compare efficacy of different stents compared to their product? Exactly. In fact, right now we're building a database for Johnson in the Cordis division, and they make a drug-eluting stent called Cypher. And the people at Cordis had the vision that we have, which is let's get all the data consolidated, put it in a live digital format, and there was obvious synergy between what they want to do and what we are doing. So we're building a database for them, which will enable them to both internally determine where their evidence is good or where it might be lacking, but most importantly, determine where Cypher stent is better than other stents for specific populations, i.e., you know, patients who did not have an acute MI but have coronary artery disease or for diabetics, et cetera. And then the cordis would then be able to use that evidence externally to educate doctors and patients and purchasing committees and anybody else who's making policy. But they could deliver both the database and the evidence sentences to those policymakers to help them make the right decision. And if the evidence clearly shows that the cipher stent is better than other stents, then that would help them make a decision to get the cipher stent into the hospitals and cath labs. Now, there are two different things going on that I'm thinking of when you describe that to me. And the first thing is that you're building a database for a company, which to me means that they are funding your work. How do you make sure there's no conflict of interest, especially since with this tool that can manipulate your database, how do you know that somebody's not going to pick and choose the data that supports their hypothesis? Yeah, that's a good question. I get asked that all the time. There's many viewpoints on conflict of interest, but Given that majority of studies are actually published by manufacturers, there's no such thing as zero conflict of interest, no matter who you are, American Heart Association, Cochrane Library, up to date, everybody has a potential conflict of interest because we're all relying on studies that are conducted or at least financed, granted by the manufacturers. However, Dr. Evidence, I believe, has the lowest level of conflict of interest. I think we're the actual antidote to conflict of interest because we don't really deliver opinions or recommendations. So you can't buy us off there. And more importantly, we have total transparency. We have more transparency than any other information product or tool out there. We give you access to all the data that you would find in all the relevant studies. And we give you the ability to cherry pick studies or pool studies based on your specific preferences. For example, if you decide, hey, you know, I want to pool studies that have at least 100 patients or I only want to pool studies that are randomly controlled trials, or I want to pool studies that are only on diabetics, we give you those options. No other medical information resource out there does that, such as reviews or guidelines or books or Cochrane Library or up-to-date. We give you all those options, plus all the transparency. So it's the combination of our machine and human effort that makes us almost zero conflict of interest outside of you know, the conflict of interest that's inherent in published studies that are funded by manufacturers. 
If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Future Medicine, from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Todd Feynman, founder of Dr. Evidence. We're discussing innovative ways to analyze clinical evidence. So how do you decide what data to acquire? You said you have data from all clinical trials and all articles, but... That doesn't seem like it's possible. So have you focused on the most frequently used drugs, for example, or the most common disease states? Yeah, you're right. There's millions and millions of studies out there, ranging from you know, animal studies to human studies, English, non-English, and randomly controlled trials, case series cohorts. And then there's hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands, of disease states and then specific populations. The first database we ever built was a drug awareness database, and that is a database including the top 300 drugs that were prescribed in 2005. And in that database, we only included randomly controlled trials comparing a drug to a placebo. So it's really an efficacy database on drugs, determining whether a drug such as statins or osteoporosis drugs, etc., are better or more effective than placebo drugs. And we only included studies that had clinical outcomes or important surrogate markers. For example, in the statin class, we included all the studies that had at least death, heart attack, stroke, revascularization as an outcome. Or for osteoporosis drugs, we included studies that had BMD and fracture outcomes. So that's what we did for the drug awareness database. And then the rest of the databases that we're building, we're just letting industry basically dictate what we build. So for example, Society of Nuclear Medicine they wanted a database built on radioimmunotherapy and non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and they wanted to see if radioimmunotherapy is more effective than other therapies at increasing survival. Building a database for allergen on glaucoma treatments, and we're only using randomly controlled trials comparing one therapy to another. So really, our clients, to some degree, and the industry is that telling us what they want, and we're building databases around that. And eventually, doctors and consumers will be making requests also, and we'll build the databases depending on the consumer demand. So now currently, can patients as consumers contact you directly and say, I have a question about do vaccines cause autism, for example? Would you then build that type of database for them, or is there information available that could be pulled and sent to them? Yeah, that was our original business plan or our original activity when we first started Dr. Evans, which was hooking up patients and or their doctors with the actual evidence that you'd find in clinical studies. So the first technology that actually finds, retrieves, and stores the actual full text or the abstracts about studies that answer a question, that service is still available, and consumers and their doctors can email us or call us and frame a question with us. So if, for example, a parent or a family want to see if vaccines were safe and effective, they could send us a question saying something like, is there any evidence that any vaccine causes autism? And we frame the question with them. And then we would try to figure out, you know, which type of study would they be willing to look at if they said, well, we only want randomly controlled trials, we'd explain to them what that means. But they said they only wanted RCTs comparing a vaccinated group to an unvaccinated group and seeing if there's a higher rate of autism in either group we would only find and deliver those type of studies inside our portal technology. But the downside is that technology delivers the actual studies. Be forced to read full-text articles, which are famous for being hard to read. I mean, most doctors can't even understand most full-text articles. So it's a difficult task for consumers to read full-text. So obviously the database was built 
to be more consumer-friendly, user-friendly. Almost anybody could understand the data once it's in the database. If the database is already built, then we can hook up consumers to the database. For example, we have a database on top 300 drugs. If they wanted to learn about a drug that's in that database, we could hook them up. But if the database isn't already built, they'll either have to wait, or if they can afford it or you know, raise sufficient funds, they could ask us to build a database for a specific question. So if a client asks you to research something, what would you do if there just isn't much evidence regarding that topic, if that research just hasn't been done yet? Back to the vaccine question, you're right. I mean, we've actually researched the vaccine question on autism. So if somebody said to us, look, I want random and controlled trials comparing vaccinated group to an unvaccinated group and see what the rate of autism is, we'd come back to them and say, look, that study just hasn't been done. So they would get an answer, which is there's no evidence. That study has not been done. They would not get delivered anything. But we could come back to them and say, look, if you're willing to look at non-RCTs or cohort studies, we could deliver you studies like, you know, a study done on an Amish community, and you could see what the rate of autism is and the rate of the vaccine, and you would get a correlation study. But in some cases, you're right. There's just the study has not been done, or there's been studies done, but they're not conclusive. They are more like correlation studies, and they don't prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt. They just support or unseat a theory. It seems like you're in a unique position to close the loop of non-existent evidence. If you're noticing that there's a gap in evidence, what might be a way that you could communicate that to people who are actually doing some studies so that we have more information? Yeah, the promised land is to have every relevant study inside our databases build hundreds and hundreds of databases. And that's not going to happen quickly. That will happen over time. But eventually, we're going to reach a critical mass of databases, and we're going to be able to determine where the holes are, where the gaps are. And we will go back to industry. We will go back to the research, back to the people who are funding research and say, look, you know, this question has yet to be answered. For example, radioimmunotherapy, we built that database, and it turned out that our pre-med students and our doctors who built that database ultimately became the experts on radioimmunotherapy, and they came back to me and said, hey, Dr. Feynman, we're building this database, and there's no randomly controlled trials, which was a big surprise. So now we're in the position with Society of Nuclear Medicine to go back to industry and say, hey, you've got to design some randomly controlled trials that compare radioimmunotherapy to other therapies in non-Hodgkin lymphoma. So it was after that database was built we could figure out exactly where the gaps were. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Todd Feynman. We've been discussing innovative ways to analyze clinical evidence. I'm Dr. Jennifer Hsu. You've been listening to a special segment, Focus on Future Medicine, from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.